Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. So today we're wrapping up this series we've been on called Compelling Disciples of Jesus. And the first week we talked through the three pillars of being a resilient compelling disciple of Jesus that, you know, there's, there's different biases that we're all going to have because of how we were raised or, you know, even just what we like, how we are as a person that we're all going to lean in certain directions. But if we want to really follow Jesus in a resilient way that draws people towards him, there's some things that need to be operating in our lives. And those are the three pillars. We talked to them. Let's, let's go through them really quick today. Uh, number one, we need to have a hunger for the presence of God. Got to have a hunger for the presence of God. Number two, formation. We need to see ourselves think, love, and act like Jesus, something that's consistently moving in our lives. It's not enough to just read the Bible, pray every day, but there's got to be more than that, that we're moving towards Jesus. We want our actions to be formed in the image of Christ. Next thing is today's mission. Mission. That Jesus was on mission. He said he would leave the 99 to find the one. And, and God cares about mission as well. And when you think about the word mission, what comes to mind? You probably think missions trip, right? We've maybe heard, maybe we've heard somebody fundraise for a missions trip. Maybe we've seen on TV talking about missions trips or whatever. And uh, the, the idea of mission is that often is that it's an event that sort of has a beginning and an end. But living on mission has nothing to do with the missions trip necessarily. Mission is about taking your everyday life and giving it as an uh, offering to Jesus. And compelling disciples live on mission for Jesus. And the mission only ends when your heart stops beating. Guys, tell you, God didn't create you so that you'd get saved, get married, have 2.5 kids, and retire at 65. Now, that's not everybody's path. Different people have different paths on how they live their life. Some don't have kids, some don't get married. It doesn't doesn't matter. What I'm saying is God didn't create you to just follow the world's status quo on how you're supposed to live and retire one day and everything will be good. God designed you with his purpose in mind and that purpose doesn't go away. Even if you wander from that purpose, God's purpose doesn't wander from you. And when we examine the life of Jesus, he had a clear mission and Jesus desires the same for your life and for mine. He doesn't just want us to just live in life. He's saying, like, if you're going to really live life to the full, which that is what Jesus wants for you, he wants your life to be full. He wants it to be incredible. He wants to see his purpose come to pass in your life. He's saying, I got some stuff that you can go and do as a disciple of me. I want you to pay attention to the word go this morning. Everybody say go. Go. Hmm. I like it. My message is called in the go. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. Hopefully it will by the end of the uh Uh, sermon this morning. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Let's pay attention to this word. As you, what's the word? Hmm, I'll tell you. This has happened a couple weeks in a row. First service has been more excited than second. So let's start that one again and let's let's really show first service who's boss, okay? As you, beautiful, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Now watch how good God is. He says, heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Anybody thankful for a God who cares about our needs? Because that's what this message is saying. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, if there's a need in your life, I care about it. And as you see needs in the world, I care about those as well. 
Go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. I love God. I love it, the message of Jesus who saved us when we didn't deserve it, who cleanses us from all unrighteousness, who blesses us far beyond whatever we could ask or imagine. And you know, the world has sort of, or maybe just a concept, maybe it's, maybe it's a concept that came from the church. I don't know where it came from. But when you hear the word blessed, you often think of cars and houses and bank accounts. But the reality of it is, is that the Old Testament version of that word, blessed wouldn't translate to, um, what's the word now? Fulfilled. That blessed would actually translate more to closer to fulfilled than having your pockets full and, you know, a nice car in the driveway. And, and first of all, even by the world standards, everybody in this room is blessed. If you don't believe me, there's a website called howrichami.com. You can go in there and put your income, your household, whatever, and you can see the percentage of the world of how rich you are. And I'll tell you, everybody in this room is very blessed. But that's not what Jesus is talking about when he talks about blessed, being blessed. That's not what the Bible says. Anyways, that was a tangent. I went to that website this morning. It was interesting. Okay, come back. Here we go. As, as, as God has freely given to us, the best thing we can do is give it away to those in need. Now, I'm not just talking about finances here. I'm saying if you've been blessed by an excellent community, you know what the best thing you can do is? Give community to those who don't have it. If you've been blessed with love in your life, you know what the best thing you can do is? Pour it out so more people feel loved just like you do. If you've been forgiven and everybody in the room has been, the best thing you can do with that is give that for forgiveness to other people as well. Man, if you've been given a second chance, the best thing we can do is give others a second chance. God has blessed us. Now we can give it away to others. If he blesses your life, you can bless God back by giving that blessing to others. And Jesus says, go. Everybody say, go. Jesus did not bring the 12 disciples together to sit around a campfire all the time. Just like Jesus meets our needs, he commissioned the disciples to go and meet the needs of others. And we're going to talk from the last verse in the Gospel of Matthew this morning. In Matthew chapter 28, it's called the Great Commission. And Jesus kind of just sums up what we're to do with our lives. He works in our lives. We follow him. His presence is with us. And this is what he says to do with it. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to go 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to what? When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, what's the word again? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and look at the goodness of God. Surely I'm with you always. I'm not leaving you to go on your own. I'm not asking you to just go figure life out and one day you'll die, get to heaven, and the suffering will be over. I'm gonna be with you always. And so we, ex we will experience God's presence in the go. Why did the disciples in the first place get to experience Jesus on this day? Let's go back to verse 16. Then the 11 uh, disciples went to Galilee, Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. They were obeying Jesus' command to go. Then they get to experience his presence. And we will often draw a line from prayer and worship to God's presence, but there's a different kind of God's presence that I think he's trying to pour out in our lives as well. That you'll experience a whole new presence of the Holy Spirit 
when you go and make disciples. Anybody ever um, shared your faith with someone and as you were getting built up to sort of open this kind of idea or share your story a little bit, you were absolutely terrified and your heart was pounding like crazy? I've never ran a marathon, but I feel like that's what it might be like. It's just like, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? Come on, anybody with me this morning? It's kind of terrifying. And often, even as awkward as that is, or as terrifying as it is, and even if the person on the other side of it went, okay, when you were done, God's with you in that, and there's a new kind of presence. It almost feels like you're like getting on a horse to ride this horse, and Jesus pulls up beside you. Like It's like the, the, you have the comfort of the Holy Spirit in, in worship and prayer, but there's this whole other level of experience of God when you're sharing your faith with someone. I believe God wants you to feel that, that Jesus is telling us, go, go ride that horse of evangelism. Try this thing out. Tell people about me. As Jesus sends the disciples out on this mission, he assured them, I'll be with you. Surely I'm with you always. So you can go. And we go in the authority of Jesus. We go in the authority he's given us. You know that authority that he says in heaven and on earth, Jesus said he had that authority, still has that authority today. Same God, same earth. He still has that authority in heaven and on earth today. I want to remind somebody this morning that came in here and forgot that you have all authority given to you by the, in the name of Jesus, that, that, that he, Jesus still has authority today as he did back then. Because of life circumstances, sometimes we forget about that authority. Because of maybe how someone has treated us or maybe uh, our idea of how the world is going, we feel like, has, has God left the room at times? But well, we still serve the same God who said, I have all authority on heaven and on earth, and I've commissioned you to go in that authority. Come on, today, somebody needs to leave this place with more authority on their life and be reminded that our God is still working, that the Holy Spirit still dwells within us, and everywhere we go, so does the Holy Spirit, and that Jesus has the authority in the government, in your finances, In health, Jesus still got the same authority in those things. In emotional distress, Jesus still has authority in those things. Somebody's worried about the education system. Can I just tell you, God is still working in the education system. That Jesus is there. He has authority over those things. Let him rule and reign. He's the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. So if we don't see his authority working, yeah, somebody clap to that. I'm going to get a drink of water. God is good. So we need to be reminded of his authority and that we are the ones, Christians, who advance the authority of Jesus, having his way on earth by submitting ourselves to his authority. When I follow the commands of Jesus, it doesn't make God love me more, but it does allow the world to be restored back to Christ, little bit by little bit. And we spread his authority by being a disciple ourselves, but also by making disciples. You want to change the world? Spread the good news to someone that they now carry the same authority that you do. In 2 Timothy 1 to 7, Paul says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? You know this one, a power, love, and a sound mind. There is power. There's power in your words. That Jesus goes with you where you go, but you gotta go. I have authority for what I face 
today. God's spirit gives me power, love, and sound judgment, a sound mind. And no matter how secular the culture gets, we gotta be reminded this morning that we win in the end, that we serve the God who wins in the end. No matter how secular it gets, come on, you allow God to work in your life, you can go anywhere. The spirit of God will go with you. And you can invite people to join the winning team with you. So Jesus tells us, go. Come on, somebody say, go. Go make disciples. Here's what I found about this idea of making disciples is that when it doesn't work, it can be very discouraging. Come on, you ever share your faith with someone like I just talked about? And it was just like, they were like, okay, thanks. Bye. Um, it could be a kid's neighbor, coworker, whatever. Sometimes it's like, what did I just do? First of all, we gotta, we gotta remind ourselves that just because we don't think it worked or we feel like it did nothing, doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not doing something. But also, you cannot microwave a disciple. Come on, we're, we're so used to getting everything now. Zero down, 12 easy payments. You know, they start next month. You, you, you don't get disciples that way. You can't fast track your way to this. You cannot microwave a disciple. It takes time and serious commitment. And at the start of the process and often throughout the process, you end up being more dedicated to making disciples than that person is to becoming a disciple. But often, Christianity gets boring for us because we get stuck. Because we're not, we're, it's, it's, like we're, it's like we're a pot on the stove and we're just sitting there cooking and cooking and cooking and cooking. And after a while, you know, it starts to get old. And what you need to do if you want, if you want your faith to come alive is start pouring out into other people. You start feeding other people. You start pouring whatever that pot is, soup, mac and cheese. I don't know what you're making at home, but you start pouring that out and you'll watch God bring your faith alive again. Why do churches get stuck, plateau and die? Because we get the disease of staying where we're at. We get the disease of us for no more, we're comfortable. But Jesus, our beautiful savior, is inviting us into his beautiful work. That we're not some like peasants that can't keep up with him, but he's saying, I wanna work through your life. And Jesus tells us that his death will draw people to him. He says in John chapter 12, 32, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw people to myself. Jesus is talking about his death here. So the cross works like a magnet to draw people to Jesus. The good news of what Jesus did is enough to draw us to him. So thankful for the second chance. You know, I don't care if you are, uh, if, if your sin is as bad as murdering someone or as bad as stealing from grandma's cookie jar, you still needed a savior. So thankful for that savior. And that same good news that draws us to him is enough to draw others to him. But we've also been told to go and make disciples. So we get the opportunity of being used by God. You know, you're a conduit for people to meet Jesus. He says, I'll draw people to myself. And he often does it through us. So how do I live a life on mission? I love this verse in, in Luke chapter nine, where this, uh, Jesus is talking to this guy, and then he, he says to this guy, come and follow me. And the guy says, Lord, let me go first bury my father. But Jesus told him, 
let the dead bury their own dead, but you go, there's that word again, and spread the good news of the kingdom of God. I think that this might be Jesus using some humor. I think Jesus might be like, I I, I can't say for sure, but I think Jesus might be like, the guy's dead, man. Let him rot. You know, it's fine. We gotta go spread the kingdom of God. A little bit morbid. I'm just trying to mess with you this morning. Come on. Maybe Jesus is messing around. Like, let the dead bury their own dead. It doesn't even make sense. But Jesus is like, what's that gonna change? There's always an excuse for us to not go and reach the world for Jesus. But what does he say? Go, spread the good news of the kingdom of God. And here's where I think the word evangelism and spreading the good news sort of gets messed up. Jesus didn't say, stand on a street corner and tell people they're going to hell. And sometimes I think evangelism can be a little bit scary because we maybe have a wrong idea about what it might look like. That it is not, yeah, we're gonna stand on the street corner and say, repent or burn. Yes, that'll turn them over. Did Jesus, and, and, and so even, a, okay, so we know that's, that's probably not a biblical way of evangelizing. But even some good things, I think we get in our heads and we think, I don't have time for that, or I can't do that, or maybe I'll let the professionals do that. But evangelism, I think, can be a little bit easier and a little bit more approachable than maybe we're making in our minds. Like, did Jesus say, you have to go over, overseas and spread the good news? Did he? Did Jesus say, you got to go downtown and feed the homeless? It's a great idea, but did Jesus say, that's, that's the only way to evangelize? Did Jesus say, we have to walk up to strangers and try and convert them? We can talk this morning. Did he say that? Did Jesus say, share this post with five friends or you're going to hell? And most of my list are all good things. And if you do that, if, you know, if, you, if you're going downtown feeding the homeless, that's amazing. If you're going to talking to strangers and converting them, that's a beautiful way of, of spreading the gospel. All those things are, are fine. But Jesus didn't say that it has to be a, a specific way that you've seen it done before. He just said, go and spread the good news of the gospel. Not the bad news about sin. And so even when, when, the, when the Marys go to his tomb uh, to go and look for him and to, to go see him, to go mourn, whatever they were doing, Jesus appears to them after they realize the tomb is empty. And what does he say? Go and tell. Would you go and tell the other disciples? Start to spread the good news about the kingdom. Here's the thing. Here's what the world did. The world bribed the soldiers to keep their mouths shut about Jesus. And some of us are doing that for free. Come on. It's happened in my life as well. Where you just feel like I don't want to be weird. And you just, you end up hiding the gospel. I just think that today we got to be reminded of how good God is. we got to be reminded of, man, I, I needed a Savior, and I was saved. It wasn't something that I did to earn it. it. wasn't something that I, you know, I had to work my way up to being saved, that in a moment, Jesus saved me. I was headed one way. Jesus turned that all around. That I should have had to pay for my sins. But guess what? Jesus did it for me. He restored me back to Christ and back to God. And that's, that's the beauty of the cross, that Jesus saves us, sets us free, and he wants to, man, he wants to bless us and take care of us. Somebody needs to be reminded of how good the gospel is today. I have this uh, video of my son, and we're having a hard time teaching him how to ride a bike for whatever reason. I don't know if I'm not a good teacher or what the word, what the whatever happened. I just couldn't figure out how to get him to ride a bike. And so I got my, my friend Justin, 
he had his uh, son riding bikes when he was like two or three years old. And I was like, this guy is a wizard. How does he do it? And I said, you got to teach me how to teach my son how to ride a bike. He said, no problem. Meet me at this tobogganing hill on Saturday. He said, bring a wrench to get the training wheels off. And so we did it. I went to the tobogganing hill with Justin, my son. And he hadn't really been interested in bikes. And Justin was like, take the training wheels off and push them down the hill. I'm like, okay. I'm trusting you, man. Your kid's still alive. And so I, I got out my, my phone. And uh, I, sure enough, I just pushed him down the tobogganing hill. And away he went. Riding his bike in a moment. And man, the, 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 the screams of joy and terror together. <laughs> he loves it. And so often, I'm telling you, often... My son will ask me to see the video of when he first rode his bike. You can just catch the contagious joy in that video where he's just like, yeah, I'm doing it. I think that some of us need to be reminded of how good God is today. We need to remember what it was first like. You, know, you get used to riding the bike, and it's no big deal now. But remember what it was first like to have that feeling. Remember what it was first like to know I'm saved, I'm set free. God still has a plan and a purpose for my life. We have the best news in the world. And a mission-marked life is giving that news away. And you don't have to be an evangelist to evangelize. I know in Ephesians 4.11, you know, it breaks down pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets. Great. I'm so glad we have all those things. You don't need to be paid for those things, by the way. We all fit into that some way or another. So evangelists, we need you. You are so special. You're so amazing. If you feel like you have a gift of evangelism, if you just love sharing the gospel with people and I talk about it being scary and you're like, it's not scary. Um, you are the right person. Thank you. We need you to keep evangelizing. But for the rest of us, we can still evangelize without being evangelists. When Jesus commissioned the disciples, he told them, go and meet needs. So I want to talk to you practically this morning as we begin to wrap up this message. How can we meet the needs of the world and open people's eyes to the beauty of Jesus. Just There's two main needs that we can meet with, with, when it comes to missional meeting needs, being disciples of Jesus. First of all, it's word ministry. Word ministry, I'll explain that here. As your life shines a light on Jesus, the Holy Spirit will illuminate him for others. There's no one specific way to share the gospel. All you have to do is pay attention to people and hear the pain behind their problem. So people will talk about, I have this problem, I have this, I have that. All you got to do, hear the pain behind their problem. And then speak to their potential. And if you see something beautiful in someone's life, encourage them in their strengths. Going to work tomorrow, you can actually be prophetic. You can be a prophetic voice at work tomorrow. You can see something in someone's life and you can encourage that in them. So speak to people's potential. Encourage their strengths. Tim Keller says this. I love the late Pastor Tim Keller. He says, the future of evangelism is you talking about Jesus. There's no AI coming, no replacement for evangelism. It's not like there's some big, um, you know, method that we're going to figure out. We're going to be able to do it better. The future of evangelist, uh, evangelism, you talking about Jesus. That's simple. Eugene Peterson says this. When we see people in our lives that are like hurting, broken, far from God. 
When you see that, just ask, ask God. Ask him, God, how are you writing their story? How is God writing their story? And what is my part in their story? I would encourage you to do a couple simple things. When you go to work, when, you, when you're at the family function, whatever, just let people know you go to church. What'd you do this weekend? Well, I did this, I did that, then I went to church. We went out for brunch after church. It was beautiful. I had six waffles. I was very hungry, like whatever. Just, just somehow mix it in, in passing that you go to church. You have to stop hiding who you are to the people around you. Just let them know you go to church. And then two, let people know you're a Christian and that it means something to you. You can do it either or, either, either order. Let people know you're a Christian, that it means something to you. So if, if you hear about somebody's pain, somebody's going through something, you can connect that to how Jesus got you through the same thing. You know what? I went through a breakup too. I, I just started listening to worship music. I started praying. Jesus helped me through it. I went through a loss too, a death, whatever it may be. It was tough, but Jesus helped me through it. Just open, open people's eyes to what Jesus did for you. Don't keep it to yourself. It's beautiful. You're going to ask people, how can I pray for you? You want to take it a step further. I don't think I've ever had somebody turn down prayer. It's beautiful. You don't have to preach the gospel in one conversation. But you can't love your friend without talking about Jesus. And the only way the people in your life will not hear about the gospel is if you hide who you are. There's a Barna study. Uh, Barna, it doesn't matter. They, they, they study, they do research. And Barna did a study, and, and from the results of their study, it showed that 38% of Christians thought it was wrong to share your faith in hopes that some, you would convert someone from another background, faith background. 38% of Christians thinking it's wrong to convert people from another faith to ours. The question I have is, do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do we believe that Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life, no one gets to the Father except through me. And sometimes we, you might feel guilty, you know, trying to sway people towards your faith or trying to, uh, trying to sell, you know, if, if that's maybe what's going through your mind. But the world is constantly trying to sway people this way and that way. We have the best thing possible for people to be swayed to. So word ministry, we got to tell people what's going on. And the second thing that can open people's eyes to the goodness of God is need ministry missionally engaging people in your life, meeting needs. This can be feeding the homeless. Beautiful. Jesus loves that. It can be helping somebody move. It can be bringing a meal to someone. You know, when my family was going through something very difficult around a Thanksgiving season one time, somebody just randomly called us and said, we want to take care of Thanksgiving dinner for you guys. And so that year, none of us made Thanksgiving dinner. And when we showed up, all this Thanksgiving dinner was there for us. It was, it touched my heart so deeply, I'll never forget it. It's beautiful. Just having our eyes open to, God, where is it that you're asking me to go? Maybe it's the Thanksgiving dinner that you were gonna skip. Maybe it's to go spend a little bit of time with that uncle that nobody talks to anymore. Or maybe it's just to go to work tomorrow with your eyes open to these beautiful people around you that are far from God. 
and we don't have to preach the, the gospel, you know, throughout the day. And then at 4.55, somebody's going to come out, play a little music. We're going to have an altar call. We don't have to do all that stuff. But just having our eyes open to, God, where's, where's my weak spot? Where am I missing it? You know God's presence. You're thinking, loving, acting like Jesus. Now, go reach the world for him. Go reach the world for him. Would you stand today? I just want to take a moment. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this room of people who love you so much. God, thank you for the stories represented here and how you are moving and have moved in people's lives. God, would we, would we be reminded of what it's like to first know you? Holy Spirit, move in our lives. God, I just thank you. You're placing names on our hearts right now. You're reminding us, reminding us of your love for those who surround us throughout our day to day. Thank you, God. You love Jesus. You said that if that one lost sheep wanders, you'd leave the 99 to find the one. I pray that we'd go with you in that mission. That you'd break our hearts for what breaks yours. And maybe you're here today and you're asking yourself, how is God writing my story? And as we've gone through this series of being a disciple, you feel maybe unworthy of being a disciple. Or you hear that Jesus died and maybe you don't even believe that you're included in that. Maybe you feel like you've put off God's plan for you for so long that it's just too late. But God has not given up on you. He has not given up on his plans for you. He loves making disciples. And today can be your day to be included in becoming a disciple of Jesus. If you're in the room today, you'd like to make that choice. I wanna encourage you. We're gonna pray a prayer together. I wanna invite you into this prayer. What's gonna happen is everybody who calls Celebration Church home is gonna repeat after me. And if you wanna pray this prayer today, pray that prayer. You can be saved in a moment and start your journey as a disciple of Jesus. God loves you so much. And if Jesus dying for you specifically, just you specifically, is what he had to do, it would be worth it. But thank God he died for all of us. And that includes you. So just repeat after me. Say this, thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord and God raised you from the dead. I humble myself today. Forgive me of my sins. Holy Spirit, dwell within me. I was lost, but now I'm found. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.